This is Becky Millhaven. Just say it. I am Tom Becker. McGraw Millhaven here on uh, the podcast. And let's not forget, the podcast is also on the Big 550 KTRS. I'd like to start off today's show with a little bit of a somber note. I would like to dedicate today's show to the passing of a broadcast legend. I'm still here. We got we got heard here over the weekend that Mike Shannon passed away. Oh, that's right. Mike Shannon, the... Uh... Famed, uh, what, what position did he put? Was he a catcher? Uh, no, well, I think he caught a little bit, but he was mostly left field in the third base. Um, <laughs> and uh, was a uh, won a World Series, won two World Series with the Cardinals. Hit a famous home run against uh, Whitey Ford in the 64 World Series. And then went on to be a broadcaster for uh, 50 years. And uh, passed away over the weekend after a long bout with long COVID. And uh, passed away. But uh, true... You know, one of the old school, uh, Tom, you know this, one of the old school broadcasters. They don't make them like that, that anymore. And I, and I don't know why. I, the, the broadcasters today, they're technically sound. They are very professional. But the Bob Eukers and the Ralph Kiners and the Mike Shannons of the world, they don't hire those guys anymore, and I don't know why. You know, I there's the whole nature of baseball, too, is that, you know, there used to be the characters. The, the 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 you know the managers the Earl Weavers uh, the Leo DeRochers the uh, uh, um, um, Tommy Lasorda Billy Martin yeah, yeah. Uh, and it, there's not those character baseball players and baseball managers the way they used to be you know Mark the Bird Fidrich I mean you know these people that you would just you know say oh look here's here's this loony you know and where's what's her name Morgana the Kissing Bandit where the hell is she you know we. <laughs> We need to bring the characters back into baseball. That's forget about the time clock. Bring the characters back. No, I think all the characters fell asleep because the game took so long to play. They forgot. But, <laughs> but you know, it, it's actually it, it's actually a pretty good it's a pretty good point um, because the managers that are hired today are designed to fulfill the direct. Uh, computer logs that the computer guys are doing. So mm -hmm. the MIT guys are in the back room, right, crunching numbers, and they tell the manager how to do it. Well, Earl Weaver wasn't going to tell anybody how to manage a ball game, And so imagine sitting with Earl Weaver and the guy says, the computer says you need to steal in this part, right? Or you need to you need to not hit and run. You need to do this. Yeah. Because the odds are Earl Weaver would, would blow a gasket. So they don't hire Earl Weavers anymore. They hire guys who just follow the program. And more or less, they are an extension of the general manager and the MIT geeks in the back office. And, and likewise with the announcers. I mean, you know, the announcers, they don't want to upset anybody. They don't want the guy to say something off, you know, off the wall. And so, therefore, for the most part, the announcers are all just, Balls and strikes, and um, I don't know. I, I think the game misses something on that because I, I am still, you know, you, you mentioned Mike San Shannon being a, um, you know, longtime radio broadcaster there in St. Louis. I would still much rather listen, unless it's like the World Series or something. I would much rather listen to a uh, ball game on the radio than I would uh, watch it on TV. Well, there's something to be said for. Uh, the background noise and for you and me are both romantic about baseball in a certain way. And it, it's the, it's the soundtrack of our youth, right? I mean, you, I, I could tell you when and where I was with Ralph Kiner and Lindsey Nelson and Bob Murphy. And I would go to bed every night, listening, listening to those guys. It was just, it was the soundtrack of my youth. 
And, you know, Mike Shannon was, you know, sort of the last of a, of, of a breed. I, there's no, I mean, the, 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 the Bob Euchers of the world uh, are revered and with no disrespect to any current broadcaster, they're just more stats driven. It's just sort of who they want to go with. Um, you know, the, the Howard Cosell couldn't survive today. Um, but Howard Cosell, you loved him or hated him, but you listened to the guy. Now you, you don't turn in for the broadcaster. Well, Howard Cosell just got murdered on uh, social media. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine? Oh, yeah. You know. Um, well, for that, for that matter, Joe Buck, who I think is just the best of the best of the best, he gets killed on social media, and he's fantastic. So imagine somebody like Howard Cosell would have gotten killed on, on social media. Well, you know, um, now let me ask you something here, though. Okay, so we're talking about, you know, the Howard Cosells and all the, you know, the old announcers and that sort of a thing. Are we just a couple of old guys, you know, reminiscing about our youth? If, if some, if, is there some, you know, 17, 18, 19 year old kid listening to the radio today about baseball and thinking that's the guy, you know, that, that boring, the guy that we think is boring is the guy that he's growing up with. So therefore, that's the guy. Much like we grew up with Howard Cosell, we grew up with um, uh, Bob Euchre. We grew up with you know all these guys. Uh, you know, are we just old guys now reminiscing about our generation that's passed away and moved on versus uh, the young people that are you know this is this is their game. Well, there. there, there, there is there is a whole lot of truth to that because I think um, that whoever you first listen to. Right. You could listen to Mike Shannon 20 years from now and you could be 70 years old and that will bring you right back to, you know, being a 10 year old, you know, flipping baseball cards. Mm -hmm. um, so there is some, there is something to be to be said for that. And so the kid who's 10 today who's listening to, you know, uh, I don't know, Skip Carey here in town will grow up to be, you know, Skip Carey will be the soundtrack of his youth. So, yes, we are a little bit of old man. Get off my yard. Um. But you cannot deny that they're full of stats today and years ago they were full of stories and they would weave stories in the middle of a baseball game. But I'll, I'll even expand this a little bit more, okay? Because <laughs> is that just how life is today in general? I mean, let's be honest. Let's be honest. Uh, you know, um, there aren't that many great DJs anymore that you go and say, you know, oh, I got to listen to what so-and-so saying, right? There's, you know, I mean, talk, talk radio, you're an exception there in St. Louis at your station, but so much of talk radio is just that formulatic, okay, all Democrats suck, my side is right, your side is wrong. And 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 so there's so much of that out there. And, and now we've got artificial intelligence, right? The chat GPT that sort of just come out with, you know, uh, homogenized stats and information without losing the, the, the soul of, uh, you know, the writing, uh, or don't lose the soul of the writing. I don't know. Is this just the world that we live in today? And we're just a couple of old guys, you know, not getting on board yet. Yeah. Well, well we are, but if that's the case, why do so many people have such great memories of, um, Bob Uecker and, have such great memories of a Mike Shannon, a Jack Buck, a Lindsey Nelson, right? I mean, a Wolfgang, a Wolfman Jack, a Williams B. Williams, some of these legendary um, DJs, right, who would play the music. Now a DJ doesn't play music anymore. Matter of fact, they have whole websites, billions of dollars dedicated to 
we don't talk, we just play music. So, I mean, all of that has been sort of the whole personalized uh, world has sort of been taken away to this sort of computerized um, top-down format, whether it's talk radio, whether it's restaurants, whether it's, uh, you know, anything, right? I mean, that's why who doesn't love a good local restaurant uh, that gives you a good local flavor as opposed to, oh, Charlie's. No disrespect to Charlie's, but that's not St. Louis. Well, okay, then, then let me let me let me take this out to a whole other level here because you bring up something that's now near and dear to my heart. Okay, in that in that um, for people that don't know in the Omaha area, I've I've been doing um, a, a political commentary and news commentary uh, during uh, the Fox Forty Two uh, News at, at nine now for almost eight years. Well, last week I found out that they're getting rid of all our local news department. Okay, that, not just saying, Becca, we don't want you. It's like they don't want any of the reporters. They don't want anybody on that staff. They're going to go with a national news program in there instead of what we've been giving them, you know, the local news. Um, you know, going back to when I first came into the market, there were at least three radio stations in this town that had full news departments. There is not a local news department now in any of these radio stations. Our newspaper used to be a full newspaper. Now it's more of a pamphlet. I mean, and 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 what I'm what I'm talking about here is not unique to Omaha. I'm sure the same thing is true in St. Louis. More and more, we're doing uh, getting less and less local news, and that local flavor. And I think that is a very much a detriment to society as well. Uh, no question, but a little point of order. Um, when Fox 42, you say it wasn't you, they uh, they got rid of the whole newsroom. I think they got rid of you and and anybody who knew you. So I think that's why they got rid of everybody. So it, it was you. Way to, way to kick a guy when he's down. You know, I, I'm going to just drive to St. Louis and crash on your couch. You know, I'll be unemployed. You know? Oh, God. Oh, God. Please, please, please find you a know, job. I'm just, just going to go and, you know. Uh, so to local news, um, it, this this is um, people don't understand this, and this is all part of what what we're seeing in the world today, because it's so cheap to cover national news, right? Um, you have MSNBC, you have CNN, you have Fox, and you have AP, and so they all go to Washington and they all cover the same story. And it gets filtered down and reread and rewritten, but it's the same story and it's cheap. It's really expensive to go sit at a city hall and uh, find a story. It's really expensive to go people to go to uh, school board meetings and you know police rallies and whatever. I mean, that's where the news happens and the commentary happens. And so you have a you might have a local station, but they're only doing national news. And that's why being a conservative talk show host, it's it's easy and it's cheap. Um, and whereas it's and it's syndicated because yeah. you don't have to have a local host there. Because you're right. It also, I mean, your radio station again is an anomaly. You've got local hosts from what, like five a.m. till ten p.m. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, and it's all it's all local, and you know, you, you've got a, a good business model there. But these other radio stations, they they don't. They just bring in some syndicated show uh, and and run the same, you know cliched, tired crap that everybody else is running. But but I, I think that's that's why you see, you know, this isn't the only reason newspapers are on TV and radio are in trouble, but the people are sort of, I mean, audio is, is, is exploding with podcasts. There's a million podcasts out there. Some of them 
are very successful and getting really lots of hits. Why aren't they on radio, right? They're, they're drawing ears, but radio won't do that. They'll go for the cheap, you know, right-wing talking points because that's the cheapest version they can put on the air. Whereas if they expanded their horizon just a little bit, they would see there's a whole world out there of people wanting to hear different, different types of talk. I knew radio was in so much trouble when Casey Kasem died. And the way that I knew that I was in trouble, they didn't announce that Casey Kasem died on the radio. They announced it on Facebook. Mm. And that, and that, and that was it. It was like, you know, I mean, if you're going to have, if you're going to have, you know, uh, you know, Casey Kasem, Rush Limbaugh, Howard Stern, some of these icons, right. If you're, if they, when they die, if they, you know, and that, it's not being announced. It's not being announced first on the radio. It's being announced on Twitter. It's being announced on Facebook. It's being announced on, you know, their website. I'll tell you how powerful radio is. Remember Paul Harvey? Yeah. Paul Harvey. Good day. So Paul Harvey. Kate oh, that is the worst. That is the worst Paul Harvey impression I've ever heard. Oh, wait, wait. I have a better one. Paul Harvey. Good day. It's... I mean, I... I think that was a little better. <laughs> the, the, the pause, the pause was the best part of that. Yeah. So Paul Harvey passes away, and ABC News runs a week-long retrospective on Paul Harvey, right? The best of Paul Harvey, and mm-hmm. they sort of have this this tribute to Paul Harvey all week long. So the following Monday, there's no more Paul Harvey. He died. So when Paul Harvey was supposed to show up for his Paul Harvey minute and whatever else. We didn't play it because it didn't exist anymore. Right. We were inundated with phone calls. People <laughs> upset with us. <laughs> we're mad that we weren't playing Paul Harvey. And we kept saying, sir, the man died. There is no more Paul Harvey. There's nothing. We can't play him. No, you, you can figure out a way to play him. Like, sir, the man died. We must have gotten like 15 phone calls of people upset with me and KTRS because we stopped playing Paul Harvey. And we kept telling him that he's dead. But they didn't, well, they still, yeah, we get he's dead, dummy, but keep playing his his show. Well, you know us. what? If he died, he, he has died too soon. Because if he were to die today, there could be Paul Harvey, uh, you know, on chat GPT, and they would have his voice, and they would have uh, his mannerisms all there, and you wouldn't be able to tell that wasn't Paul Harvey uh, giving you the news and commentary of the day. I got it. We got it. We got to break it. People that are just listening to the podcast may not also know that we're uh, also on uh, KTRS in St. Louis Thursday nights, uh, the big 550. So we got to take a quick break here for a commercial break. Hang with us more in a moment. This is Becky and Melhaven just saying on your podcast and on the big 550 KTRS. We are back. Becky and Melhaven just saying, you know, we're talking about, you know, I mean, this is a changing media. Landscape and then just changing America, I guess, really, you know, talking about that. One thing that always gets me, that always ticks me off, is when somebody gives you crap about, you know, we're all the real journalists today. We're all the real journalists. And what gets me about that is because they want everything for free. You know, they they expect they expect solid journalism. To, to come their way on the internet without them paying for it, without without it being paid for, and you know, hey, look, you know, reporters got you know families to feed and bills to pay, uh, you know, we're all the real reporters. Well, you know what? Maybe, maybe you chase some of them out 
with your uh, attacks all the time about fake news and yeah. Well, they're out there. You got to pay for them. Yeah. There, there, there are news organizations. You know, the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Washington Post, um, Posted Dispatch. There are, there are many. I don't. I mean, uh, there are great quality journalism, and most of it you have to pay for. Just like there's great movies. There's wonderful movies. There, there, there's wonderful books. There's great cars. Guess what? You have to pay for them if you want them. You don't get them for free. Um, and so, yeah, no, I agree. And so they go to Facebook and they think what somebody is filling their brains with is actual news because it's free and they're just being uh, manipulated. And then they turn around and say, oh, the news media is trying to uh, manipulate me. You mentioned you got to pay for it. You mentioned great movies. Are you following the marvelous Mrs. Maisel's final season so far? Are you yes, watching? Yes, I this? am. Every second of it. And what do you think? Um. Well, I I thought the episode where they filmed it in the TWA terminal in New York was about as good as it gets. I would agree. I I'm just I was watching that and thinking about the expense it took to retrofit. That that airport terminal and to make it look well, like it's it. a it's a it's a hotel now. Oh, is it? It's it's called the TWA Hotel and it sits inside JFK Airport. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that they they it's a hotel and it is one of the coolest. I I we would go there all the time as a kid, picking up and dropping off people, and it was designed by Aero Saarinen, the same guy who designed the Sydney Opera House, the same guy who designed the Arch. And he designed the the TWA terminal in uh, JFK. That now the TWA is gone. They don't need the terminal anymore, so they turned it into a hotel, and it's fantastic. Like three four hundred bucks a night, but it's sort of super ultra mid century modern. Um, but I I I um, I love the um, back and forth in time where they're going ahead in time and then going back to the real life. Um, I I I like it so far. Tell you what I don't like. I don't like waiting every Friday for a new episode. I want like all the episodes <laughs> dropped immediately. Um <laughs> I I agree. I, I actually I didn't I didn't know that the new season was out until like four weeks in. So I gotta I gotta go and I did a you know binge watch on it. And then it's like now I gotta wait for the next episode. Yeah, I don't I agree. I've become spoiled in that regard. Yeah. Uh, and and the last the not this season, the season before they dropped it all or whatever. And I remember like trying to like slow down my um, to to slow my roll. I was like, okay, I only have four left. I want to devour those four on Saturday night, and so I would like plan out my week so I could enjoy the three in a row and just binge on it. It's so insanely good. It's so fantastic. I, 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 I totally I totally agree. Uh, and actually, the people that put that on are going to put on a um, uh, they got another series on, that they've been signed to do, and. Um, Instead of comedy, I mean, it might be like ballet or some other art form that they're doing it with. I mean, there's some, something else. So yeah, they got. They well, got... but I don't. I mean, this season's a little. I mean, I'm. I. They're kind of. I don't know where they're. They're going, um, and I'm heartbroken if they wrote out the Lenny Bruce character because I thought the Lenny Bruce character and her was so good on so many levels, and that speech he gave to her at the at the stage at Carnegie Hall is one of the greatest ever. And th they recreated his Carnegie Hall show, and they recreated his show apparently on the Steve Allen show, which was almost shot for shot exactly how it happened when mm -hmm. Lenny Bruce went on 
uh, Steve Allen show. So, I mean, it's a lot. The, the, the name of the show, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, does nothing to give you a hint of how insanely good the show actually is. And you talked about the, the writing, which I do. I think the writing is, is, is incredible. But uh, as we record this podcast slash broadcast, uh, the writer's strike, uh, the writer's guild is about ready to go on strike. That um, uh, they don't feel they're being compensated adequately for the streaming shows, compensated ad adequately for what they do. And so therefore, uh, they're this close to uh, to going on strike. And uh, you know, and, and yeah, which would mean like no more uh, late night TV. You know, Colbert's uh, monologue would not be able to you know put come out there. And, um, and well, Jimmy it would Collins be. It just wouldn't be Kimmel. written. It just wouldn't be written by writers. It'd be written by you know him and his secretary or somebody. Yeah, um, it, yeah. I, well, you're right. If they, if they do that, but you know how hard it is to come up with that. I mean, come up with the the. the Constant uh, quality of material it takes to uh, put together a show like that. You can't just do it on your own. No, but I, th I think the writers have a point. I don't know how you solve this problem, but the writers are like, hey, great. I'm on a hit show. I write for the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. So uh, we'll finish a season, and then the next season won't show up for two years. Mm -hmm. So what am I supposed to do in that two years while I'm on this this show? I'm not writing because, you know, I mean, it. These shows aren't 22 shows every season like they used to be with Knott's Landing and Dallas and NYPD Blue or whatever else, right? It's now, you know, 12 episodes and and they're every three years apart. So I think the writers have a point. And, they're also, concerned, and they're also concerned about losing their job to Chad CBT, you know, and, and do artificial intelligence. Well, they're also upset losing their job to somebody who has one Netflix account and shares it with six other people. Yeah. Well, the Netflix just clamped uh, down on that somewhat. Well, yeah, but they have, but YouTube TV hasn't, and some yeah. of the other ones, Disney hasn't, and whatever. I mean, they were much more apt to crack down on uh, Napster, the music industry would clamp down on Napster, than the TV is clamping down on some of the password sharing. I wonder if it's, I wonder if they're afraid, you know, like if they're afraid that if we clamp down on the uh, password sharing, then we'll lose the original account as well. I wonder if they're concerned about that. Well, yeah, but that's the same argument. That's just, well, what, why doesn't like automobiles have that same? Well, you know what? You can use this one car can be used for 10 people, but if you have to pay, you know, I don't know. That, that was a bad example. It was a bad example. I was wondering where you're going with this. <laughs> that was a bad example. Never mind. That was a stupid I, example. I've done that sometimes, you know. You'll be on the air and you'll have a rant going and you'll be going and you're doing an example. And as you're putting it out over the airwaves, you're formulating this example in your head. Halfway through, you realize, ooh, this is really dumb. <laughs> <laughs> this is not going to work. Or, <laughs> oh, I like. I like the one where you have a rant and you make an apples to apples comparison and it's brilliant, right? And then somebody's like, that's the dumbest argument in the world. You're like, what are you talking about? That makes all the sense in the world. Are you that stupid that you can't understand how brilliant my point was? <laughs> Is that how you treat your listeners? No, that's how I treat you. <laughs> well, you know, you make an example, you know, like, so in other words, it, it's like this. Right. And you make an example. And when you when you pierce their own logic, right, when you when you expose their their fraudulent point of view or their 
their world collapse when, wait a minute, are you telling me that Joe Biden doesn't have the power to set the gasoline prices? What? What kind of crackpot idea is that? Yeah. Right. Um, and so, you you know, you expose their their bias and all of a sudden they they come at you like you're a, you know, a criminal. Well, it's not even the bias sometimes. It's you expose their ignorance. You know, I, uh, you know, the, the people that the people that are out there saying that, um, you know, that Fauci doesn't know what he's talking about. You know, it's like, I, right. you know, I. I flunked sophomore year biology, but that Fauci, he doesn't know crap about, uh, you know, well, viruses. Yeah, you can still disagree with him and still admit that he's a world-class scientist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, you know, speaking of that, go back to, um, you mentioned Paul Harvey, you know, if Paul Harvey would have died today, you know, you could have paulharvey.com and you could have this whole subculture yeah. or whatever. So, um you know, there's, I keep saying this all the time, RogerEbert.com, you know, mm -hmm. you know, this movie's coming out, RogerEbert.com says this is the best movie, you know, Roger Ebert says, and I'm like, I didn't, he die? Is he still alive? I still think like Roger Ebert is still alive running RogerEbert.com, but he's not, Roger Ebert's dead. No, Roger, he's been dead for quite a while. Yeah, um, but, yeah. but RogerEbert.com lives on. And, uh, and, and by the way, Roger Ebert died a, um, uh, rather, you know, tragic death. You know, he had what was like he did, like, like well, yeah, he had he had um uh, uh like throat cancer or something. I mean, they took out his jaw. And, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. it was it was yeah. not it was not pretty. You know, it was he had uh, kind of a, a rather slow, uh, kind of a slow, painful death there. Uh, and that um, although you know, okay, so here's my here's my Siskel and Ebert uh, brush with greatness. Ooh, uh, yes. Well, that's just it. Who, you know, yeah. For for those of you, for those of you that are listening, that are you know over the age of uh, eighty, Cicely uh, Ebert, you know who they are. Um, but after this, <laughs> after this, give me your Lawrence Welk brush with greatness. <laughs> well, you know, the Lennon sisters are hot. Um, Something wrong with you? Oh, what was the name of the accordion player? Marlon Marvin Floyd, or what was it? I don't know, man. You're way, you're way. You're way past my bedtime. Oh man, yeah. I, I even as a kid, even as a kid, my folks loved Lawrence Welk. Even, but even as a kid, I, I would watch that and say, "Man, this is lame." <laughs> I would only watch it because it was on after like this old house, and I was like, "I don't understand this show. What is this show?" The guy with the bubble machine. Okay, so you remember you remember my old producer uh, Darcy. Right. Yes. Yes. Okay. Darcy, a, a, a young African American woman. Right. We were talking one day, and Lawrence Welk came up in the conversation. I don't know how that happened, but Lawrence Welk came up, and she talked about how much as a kid she loved Lawrence Welk. And I'm, I'm just thinking, well, that just blows my mind because you're a young African American. I, you know, I, isn't isn't that isn't that an old white person show? You know, but no, she she had fond memories of Lawrence Welk. Uh, uh, growing up, watching other folks, you and know? that's your that's your brush with Gene Sisko and no, Andrew. no, that's not no. But you got me all tied up with Lawrence Welk stuff. Now the whole Sisko Lieber thing is lost, and I mean it's really it's it's going to be anticlimactic. Uh, I'll just say I'll just say I was an extra in the movie Power with um, uh, Richard Gere and Gene Hackman, and uh, they just hated the movie, 
and mentioned the one scene that I was in as being especially bad. Uh, so that's that's my Cicely Ebert brush with greatness. Well, wait a minute. Did you then have any interaction with Bob Evans? Because I think Bob Evans was one of the producers on that show. On that, uh, no, no. I had uh, Sidney Lumet. Sidney Lumet was a director, and uh, and uh, I did have interaction with uh, both Richard Gere and Gene Hackman. Mm. And um, yeah, and uh, it was yeah. They were nice guys. They were nice guys. Yeah. Was uh, was it like my interaction with Dick Dick Van Dyke? I, I, I know you've told me this story, but I've you know, put it out of my brain. Uh, again, refresh my memory. Your interaction with Dick Van Dyke. Oh, thank you for asking. I'll be happy to tell you. So, so, so I knew I wouldn't a, even have to ask. Okay, I knew I wouldn't even have to ask. I was trying to just be polite. It's a, it's an episode of Diagnosis Murder, and Dick Van Dyke is the doctor. And Scott Bayo was the resident, along with Cynthia Gibbs. And Suzanne Plachette was the guest star that week. And the episode involved that Suzanne Plachette was coming to the hospital to kill someone for payback for the hospital killing her own son. Okay? That was the episode. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Dick Van Dyke was going to foil the plot and solve the, you know, save the kid before Suzanne Plachette could you know, wreak this havoc. And so I'm an extra and, uh, you know, one of these 18 hour days on the set and I've been standing for 10 hours and they, they have these director's chairs and one says Dick Van Dyke, one says, uh, um, one says Suzanne Plachette, the other one says Scott Bayo, and the other one says Cynthia Gibb. And I've been standing for 10 hours. No one has even looked at these chairs, no less used them. So... I sit down in the Suzanne Plachette chair thinking, you know, I just got to, there's nowhere to sit. I'm sitting in this chair. No one's here. No one will care. Two minutes later, Dick Van Dyke comes up to me and says, hi, how are you doing? I was like, oh, hi, how are you? He's like, can you do me a small favor? I said, sure, anything. He says, can, can you sit in my chair? Because if Suzanne Plachette sees you sitting in her chair, it'll be a long day for all of us. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yes, yes, sir. No, I'll, I'll stand. He goes, no, 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 no. Please, please sit. Just sit in my chair. S- sit in my chair. <laughs> By all accounts, Dick Van Dyke is like the nicest guy in the world. Oh, my goodness. Couldn't have been any nicer. You know, the nicest guy in the world. But you know, Dick Van Dyke's not his real name. Uh, what's his real name? Thanks for asking. <laughs> <laughs> he was Von Lesbian. Anyway, uh, yeah, I know. That's just wrong. Really? Really? That's wrong. I want to get canceled now. You know. I want. No wonder they fire the whole newsroom. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have to break? Oh, we probably. I don't think we have to, but it might not be a bad idea. <laughs> well, another reason why you were fired. Fired? Uh, they get, you're not fired if they get rid of the entire news department. If they if they get rid of your entire department, I, I mean, you know, I know it's it's the same thing. It's laid off. You know. Uh, you keep you keep telling yourself that. If they tell you not to go to work, you're not fired because they fired everybody. When I was fired at KTRS and they told everybody not to come back, guess what? I was fired. But yeah, but it's a, but it's a. I mean, if I when you're fired, it's like don't come back tomorrow. 
you know, when you're laid off, it's like, okay, guys, you know, you got, we're going to be doing this in about two, three weeks. You know, when they fired me at KTRS, they said, can you please work through January 5th? Really? Yeah. <laughs> you see that, that they really must have really trusted you. And, and when I got fired or when I got not rehired from the old folk station, my contract was up and they said, we need you to work through the end of May. So I'm the only person who gets fired and has to work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, this business, this business, I, I should have been an accountant. We'll take a quick break. More in a moment. This is Becky Millhaven. Just saying I'm Tom Becca. He's been Rob Millhaven. It's on a podcast wherever you get your podcast, and also Thursday nights here on the Big 550 KTRS. We are back once again with our final segment of Becky and Millhaven, just saying. So um, uh, what, what else is going on in your mind? What else you got going on? Oh, what else is going on? Um, what else is going on? Um, bought a... Uh... Well, I don't, I don't want to get into that. Oh, no, okay. I, I, I got something. I got something here then. Okay, fine. Boy, way to be prepared. Um, <laughs> I'm just so distraught of you being fired. I can't think. Uh, yeah, right. I wasn't fired. I was laid off. Oh, yeah, that that's right. I was laid off, you know? I mean, I got a nice severance package and everything, you know? I mean, we're, you know, going to be... Uh... And the thing of it is, I'm 67 years old. So it's not like, you know, I mean, I could retire, you know, I, I, I don't want to retire though, you know, so I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do when I grow up. So I, I got that. I got that. Well, we'll keep doing this podcast because, Hey, I got time. So, um, <laughs> why don't you be an accountant? Yeah. Dad, I put a bullet to my head. That's just speaking of, speaking of things to do when you were a kid, right? If somebody would have told me <laughs> there's a segue. Okay. If somebody would have told me when I was a kid, like in eighth grade calculus class or ninth grade calculus class, if I raised my hand and Mrs. Viani, when I asked her, why will I ever have to know this stuff? If she would have answered the question, because someday you could become general manager of the New York Mets if you know how to calculate all these things, I would have studied a lot harder in math than because I, they never explained to me that you could become a general manager if you knew math. I just thought you had to be, play baseball to become general manager. What is the uh, correlation between uh, math and being a general manager? Because of all these analytics and all these math equations and everything. Back, right? back, back when you were a kid, though, there was it was not about analytics. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. If somebody would have said, hey, you could have grown up to become manager or general manager of the St. Louis Cardinals if you would have studied in math, I would have studied a lot harder. But no, I, you I, didn't, I didn't. Yes, I would have. I didn't want to go to the moon, so I didn't learn how to. You know, don't you want to go to the moon? No, I have no desire to go to the moon. Uh, I look back. So I, so I never studied. Okay, uh, you know, you look back on on like uh, being the kid and everything, and you know, like I said, this this may be the end of my broadcast career, my over the air broadcast career. I'll still do podcasts and do some social media stuff and all that stuff, but. Um, this may be the end of my broadcast over the air broadcast career. And so I've been thinking about it. And it's been a hell of a ride. I wouldn't, I wouldn't change a thing. I would not change a thing about it. Um, I mean, I, I, it, it, it's it, the good and the bad. It's just been it's been just been so much fun. I can't imagine um, you know, having done anything else. 
and that's sort of the that's sort of the uh, the downside here because I do have a I do have a real estate license. I sell homes and that, and make a little money on that. But you know, but my passion is still telling stories. My passion is still entertaining, and um, yeah, it's just sort of weird, you know, going through the uh, the last uh, couple of weeks of what may be, you know, the end of the career. Well, first of all, you have the podcast, and that's on the radio, and you'll have this podcast till they fire you on KTRS with this podcast. So you have you have that. But you know what? Though old broadcasters don't fade away, they just end up as weekly guests on other radio stations. <laughs> Well, that that ain't going to happen here in Omaha. <laughs> Tom's burned one too many bridges in Omaha. That's why you're moving on to St. Louis because you haven't burned any bridges down here. What I what I what I say, I wouldn't change a thing. Perhaps I I might have burned a few less bridges. <laughs> Perhaps I might have toned things down a little bit over the years. Really? Uh, I don't know. That's you know, that's maybe who I am, and I like who I am, so what the hell, you know? It's... Hey, you know what? The thing about you on the radio is you. I knew you on the radio before I knew you in person. Mm -hmm. And there's really not a whole lot of difference between you on the radio and you in person. And then likewise with you. Likewise with you. I mean, you are, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, when he says this stupid stuff, he's not just trying to be cute for the radio, Okay. He, he honestly, he honestly says these two. As a matter of fact, what he says here uh, is nowhere near some of the stupid stuff he says when he's off the air. <laughs> so I met, I met you. I, I listened to the radio station, and I was listening to this Tom Becca, and I was like, "Wow, this this guy's out there." And I was, you know, it was intriguing. It was intriguing. I was listening, and because I would, I would, I would work all night and then I would get up at, I don't know, nine 30, 10 o'clock in the morning. And I, so I would wake up, you, you were doing the nine to midnight show. And so I'd stay up late and I'd get up late and I'd listen to you and I would wake up to you in the morning. So a couple of weeks later, I get the job at the radio station and I meet you <clears throat> and I say to you, Oh, Hey, yeah, I used to listen to you when I would get, when I would get up in the morning. And you were like, you said something like, that's probably why you were unemployed, getting up at 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and I was like, hey, nice to meet you too, you jerk. Okay, well, the, my, my favorite story about it, and again, again, I mean well. I mean well, and sometimes I'm just misunderstood. So, um, you know you know the old, uh, former uh, sales uh, woman who became sales manager, uh, Marnie, right? Yes, yeah. She was uh, a Canadian citizen. She married an American and, and moved to Omaha, and she, she was like 21 or so, maybe 19, 20, 21, just a young kid, young Canadian kid, had gotten married, moved to Omaha, starting her job selling radio ads. And so um, uh, he's being introduced, being introduced to everybody at the station, he comes around and is like, Tom, this is Marty, she's from Canada. Oh, you're Canadian, huh? Yeah. Oh, you've taken a job from an American salesperson. Real nice. Real, taking a job with an American salesperson. Well, unbeknownst to me, she goes home that night crying, bawling her eyes out about the way that I treated her. And and uh, uh, her husband tells her, you tell him that if an American could do the job, an American would be doing the job, and they can't, and you're the best, and blah, blah, blah. So next day, I'm at work just minding my own business forgetting what I had even said to her about, you know, uh, an American taking the job, right? Because I'm just being my usual smart aleck, right? So she comes into me 
reads me the riot act. If an American could do the job, an American would do the job. But I'm here because I'm Canadian. I can do the job. And you're just blah, blah, blah. And, blah. and I just start laughing. I just started laughing. I said, oh, yeah. I said, that's really just sort of my way of saying welcome. You know? <laughs> that's, that's like me saying hi. Nice to yeah, meet you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. me saying, you know, uh, that's just me saying uh, hello. And so, and, and we were like best of friends afterwards, you know. So, yeah. So, it, it all worked out. But, yeah. I never heard that story. That's a funny story. You never heard that story? I, and I never heard that story. That is, uh, that's pure comedy gold right there, my friend. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's just... Um, she she was uh, just bawling her eyes out. I, and that's it. I mean, I know that sometimes, sometimes things I say and the way I say it can be misconstrued. You know, but only only a few times. My no, favorite more often than not. My favorite Tom Becker story was the year you wanted to get off for New Year's Day because you had a. Uh, a stand-up gig in Sioux Falls, I or Sioux Falls, Iowa. No, South Dakota, South Dakota, South yeah. Dakota. And you were you you were like, hey, I, you know, I have to work that night. Then I got to drive back, and I just 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 take off January first. And then you said, absolutely not. You have to work. You tried to take the day off. They wouldn't let you take off, and you were upset. And so you, you had no choice but to do the gig up in South Dakota, and then drive down to Omaha the following morning. And at seven o'clock in the morning, you call the radio station and you claim that you were in a car accident and your car flipped over and was totaled, slipped on the ice, fell off the road. The car flipped over and you're stuck somewhere between Sioux Falls and Omaha and you're not going to be able to get to work. And management went around saying, that's a lame excuse, Becca. You should have come up with something better. I was going to show up the next day with my car intact in great shape and say, I found the best auto body guy and just outside of Sioux City. I know. I know. Well, that was that was uh, the old P. Uh, so, and, and I didn't I didn't know you very well at, at the time. And so I turned on like, you know, I don't know this this guy very well. But do you think if he shows up with his car tomorrow, like without a scratch on it, then you could probably question him. But <laughs> Flipping your car is probably not an excuse you would use to try and get out of work, right? Food poisoning, you're lying. Yeah, yeah, a flat flipping tire, your you're lying. Yeah, flipping your car. I, I rolled, I rolled my car into a dish, and lucky I'm, a, I'm lucky I'm alive. <laughs> I hit a patch of black eyes and just lost it, and went into a ditch. And and that, and by the way, and by the way, that was New I was working New Year's Eve at this club in Sioux Falls, right? And it was a fun night. It was a fun night, but I didn't drink. I didn't drink after we did the, you know, midnight cheer and uh, old Lang Syne and, you know, randomly kissed, you know, the waitresses. Um, after, after that, I went back to my hotel room and I tried to get a few hours sleep before I would leave like at five in the morning to drive back to Omaha. And yeah, that was the the response that I got. Yeah, I I think that was the car where uh, John Chancellor died. Was that the car where John Chancellor died? <laughs> Tom had a car. Tom's car was so so messy. He so had inside, <laughs> so inside, and not worth repeating. Yeah, no, yeah, this, this, this is funny. This is ladies and gentlemen. He's going to tell the story because I, I won't be able to shut him up. But I'm just telling you, this story is only funny to him and to me. But okay, but Rob, no, tell the story. it's funny. It's funny because his car was such a pigsty 
that he would have papers on top of papers piled in the back seat. And it just so happened that the headline of the one paper was turned just the right position in which the headline read, John Chancellor died. And so for months and months and months, this paper stayed there. And every time I got into his car, I always felt bad reading that headline. Oh, John Chancellor died. I feel terrible. Every time I went to lunch, I felt terrible because I had to be reminded that John Chancellor died. After a while, I would clean out the car and just leave that newspaper in there. <laughs> just so he'd make the comment about John Chancellor dying. You know, again, again, that's just funny to me and him. But anyway, that's uh, comedy. Oh, by the way, I just had my car detailed last week, and uh, that's, oh, that's uh, good. that changes everything. That, that changes everything. It's yeah. just uh, uh, right. well, you know, we got to go. We're time, man. Oh, Great geez, man. we are. Yeah, just I know you're not. Uh, you know, you're not broadcasting we're going, anymore. We're going over. We're going to go over our time limit because of the John Chancellor story. Really? Oh, John Chancellor died. <laughs> May he rest in peace. <laughs> by the way, Jerry Springer died last week. Jerry Springer died last week. And do you say rest in peace for Jerry Springer? I mean, you know, does he really like the drama and the fighting and everything? So, yeah, Jerry, Jerry, rest in turmoil, you know? Jerry, that... Jerry Springer, I don't know why people got so upset with Jerry Springer. He was like WWE. Everybody knew it was fake, but they loved it. It was the oh, modern no. day wrestling. It wasn't, it, was, it wasn't fake. It wasn't fake. Those were, those were strippers with fourth grade educations that, uh, you know, were fighting because uh, they're, uh, uh, their, their their baby's daddy was uh, sleeping with their sister. No, that wasn't fake. That wasn't, oh, that wasn't fake. fake. That was real. Oh, okay, that was real. Anyway, we're out of time. We are out of time. Until next time, every Thursday, you can find the River Podcast are, and then in St. Louis Thursday night on the Mid Five Fifty KTRS. I'm Tom Becca. I'd like to dedicate today's show to Mike Shannon, who passed away, and John Chancellor. Uh, so long, everybody. <laughs> Comedy, baby. Huda Media Production.